Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. And uh, I failed phys ed and English all the way through high school. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark force here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is ironradio.org. Um, it's Robert Fortress Fortney, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder and strength enthusiast, trainer, all that kind of stuff. Um, kind of a different show again this week as I'm by myself uh, without the uh, help of Lonnie, Phil, or Charles. But um, I have two co-hosts, uh, guests, um, Nathan Hanks and uh, Scott Welch of the new magazine, Muscle Insider. Welcome, guys. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Great, great. Um, before we kind of get into things, I just want to um, last – we have a – guys, we have a 50th episode uh, trivia competition that we've uh, put out to our listeners. And um, our closing date was actually supposed to be last week for the winners. And uh, going through all the entries that we have have, um, pretty much everybody screwed this up. Even, even in a small, small way. I mean, some people, several people got majorly close. Um, so much so that I was thinking about just giving it to them, but I didn't think that was fair. So, what we've decided to do is um, run this for one extra week and give other people and the people who've already sent things in a chance to maybe do this again. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, there's three or four guys that that got so close it was it was just like a nuance of of the answer. Um, so again, the the the, con, the, the, uh, the questions that for the trivia competition were, and there's four of them, um, were just Bill Pearl train. Um, how many years did Charles say you have to? Tr- you should train before you uh, you should be allowed to open your pie hole. Um, where is it? Uh, where is the, one of the top ranked gyms that uh, myself and Lonnie have trained at? Do train at in Ohio. Um, and what does PETA stand for uh, in Phil's world? And again, call the number 206-203-3798 to uh, give your answers, 206-203-3798. Um, and again, I, I really urge some of the people who have called, to, uh, a lot of people have called to call again and think about these an- these uh, the answers to these questions because Again, you were very, very, very close. It was just slight, slight mistakes in there. So, uh, again, give us a call, and next week, hopefully, um, somebody will have gotten them all right. So, That's anyway. Some, some pretty tough questions, Rob, I have to say. Is there any way that we can up the stakes a little bit and throw a uh, one-year subscription to our new magazine in on that? Jeez. That would be a good idea. Maybe we should have talked about this before. <laughs> 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 The answers to these questions, by the way, just so people know, are uh, you can find them in past episodes of Iron Radio, so and they're w- which are all available on the site, so ironradio.org. Um, yeah, well, I mean, what kind of offer do you guys want to make with well, this? Well, you know whole what? I'm going to ask uh, anybody out there. I will give them a year subscription if they can tell uh, tell me exactly how many reps the most. Uh, what are the greatest number of reps that Rob Fortress Fortney did? With three plates on his back, back in the day at Pitbull Gym in Scarborough. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you know the answer to that? I do. I actually spotted him on it. Oh, did you? Was that you? Uh, I, yeah, okay, because I've actually I'm... beat that rep number, but obviously, but but okay. 
Okay. Right. Well, here's uh, here's a trivia for you, Rob. How many reps did Tom Platts the Great get with three plates on his back right to the floor? Okay. Well, from the horse's mouth himself, because Tom and I are friends, he did 51. <laughs> 51. Didn't he? Did he not collapse on the 51st first rep? Um, yeah, he said he was pretty messed up after that. <laughs> because I mean, of course, you know, I mean, the, the 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 classic thing was that he did, you know, he did 50 reps, um, and then as, as is the case in in the bodybuilding, you know, industry over the years, all of a sudden it became that he was doing multiple sets of 50, which is ridiculous. So I actually asked him. I said, was it just one set of 50? And he said. He actually did one day. He did 51, and that was his best. So, all right. Wow. But anyway, for our listeners, uh, there's a hell of an offer for you: one-year subscription to um, the new Muscle Magazine, Muscle Insider. Uh, to anybody who can answer that question, I don't even know how, how are they going to be able to answer that question, though. Because most people, uh, you answer. know, you're right. You're right. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> what was the greatest number of reps you ever did with three plates on the squat, Rob? And I have to say, for the listeners out there, I have personally seen. Rob Fortress Fortney in action, and I have never seen anybody have better form in the squat and truly go right to the basement. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, well, the answer to the, the original question was I think I did 29, if I recall, on that particular day. Um, I think I went down for the 30th but never got back up. Yes, yes, that's exactly um, My best I've ever done with that is 31. Wow. And I'm probably good for more than that now if I gave myself a couple of weeks to kind of get back that kind of, you know, strength cardio thing going on. But Absolutely. Uh, you're one of the, definitely one of the strongest guys I've ever met in the gym. And, uh, you know, you. I've, I've seen Greg Kovacs. I've seen Mar- Jason Markovicki and uh, Bob Weatherall, Henderson Thorne. Um, obviously, some of these guys I actually trained with uh, Kovacs in Spain when I had to do seminars with them. And uh, okay. you definitely are of that caliber. Um you know, yeah, but he had, he, he had muscle tech on his side, so. Well, you know, he he's a 400-pound individual as well, and uh, you know, I like Greg. He's a great guy. We should we should get him on your show. I think he'd be uh, delighted to do it. He's actually uh, doing some work with us. He's one of our columnists, and uh, I know he uh, he'd definitely be uh, excited at the opportunity. Yeah, you know what? That would be actually be cool because I haven't I haven't talked to Greg for several years. So yeah, yeah I'll, you should maybe like email me his uh, his contact information. I'll maybe try and get him on. Absolutely. If the technology were there, I'd dial him up right now, but uh, we will definitely get him on your show. For sure. Why don't you guys uh, tell our listeners a bit about, I mean, I guess we could start with you, Scott. Um, Just tell the listeners about about your history in um, the sport and what you've done and stuff like that, just so it kind of allow them to kind of, you know, get a handle on who you are and what you've done. Um, like a lot of the guys out there, I really have an obsession with bodybuilding. I've been uh, doing it since I was probably 14. And uh, when I started, I really uh, started reading Bob Kennedy's books, actually. Uh, if you look back uh, to uh, B-Fit, Reps, um, all those books, Mass that he used to sell, uh, all those different books that he had, and Muscle Mag. I still have almost every single issue of Muscle Mag that was ever ran. And... Um, I've read them all cover to cover and uh, was obsessed and then uh, tried the uh, competitive bodybuilding thing at the uh, Ontario level uh, for teenage. At that time, they didn't have multiple categories, and uh, that was kind of uh, – I was doing everything to uh, to win on my in my side in terms of uh, the proper diet and, you know, the egg whites and all the things you're supposed to do. And, uh, I, I you know, I, I thought I did very well, but, um, you know, I got my ass kicked. So uh, as I started to uh, – learn more about it, um, 
at that time, the uh, winner was a 19-year-old fellow named uh, Adam Bishop, who was 216 on stage at uh, about 5'11", and he was a teenager, and uh, he was just incredibly massive. And uh, he sort of told me afterwards a little bit more about how he was able to come in at that weight, and so I kind of got an introduction into... Um, the other side of competitive bodybuilding, and uh, it really changed me. So I sort of was determined to outsmart the uh, steroid-using athletes, so I thought I would just read every single thing I could possibly read and uh, have a phenomenal memory when it comes to bodybuilding type of, uh, of, of knowledge or information, sorry. And uh, it really stuck with me. So while I was doing ter terrible in history class, I could tell you every single thing that happened in Flex Magazine that I read the night before. So I uh, finished that and uh, finished my schooling, and I decided to go into um, study a degree in nutrition at uh, Ryerson University here in Toronto. And um, I thought I would be the next Chris Aceto. And while I was doing that, I worked for Muscle Mag at the time. Uh, you were the uh, assistant editor-in-chief at the time. And uh, I was really hoping to get a break one day when I was finished my degree and end up uh, being a columnist like Greg Zulak or Will Brink or one of these different guys. So that uh, I studied every single uh, every single article. And uh, what was great about working at Muscle Mag was I got to see the magazine before it was public and used to see you come in and um, Will McCowan and some of these different guys that worked there at the time. And um, I had an absolute obsession with it, and of course Bob Kennedy and um, Johnny Fitness and these guys were always lurking around, so that was really uh, an awesome opportunity. Yeah. Got into um, the business side of it, um, of the supplement business, because the supplement business always uh, is interlaced with uh, with the magazine and, and bodybuilding industry. So um, uh, that had sort of introduced me to that. I worked with uh, doing distribution in the summer uh, for supplements and then got into uh, working full-time at... Um, a supplement company called Muscle Tech, and uh, that was an awesome opportunity. Um, the gentleman who owns the company, Paul Gardner, who I know you know as well, and he gave me a shot. And uh, six and a half years later, I had um, worked my way up to the top of uh, of the marketing department within that. I had formulated an awful lot of products that are still on the market today, and some of them are you know massive, massive products in in the, in the industry. And uh, met some great people, traveled around the world, and. Uh, it was, a, it was just a tremendous experience. And then after that, I left to um, go to a company called Wellnex, which at the time was NX Labs. Worked there, launched some great products, and um, a little bit later got into uh, the editorial side while I was still at uh, Wellnex with a magazine called uh, Muscle News, which uh, I contacted you, and you came aboard, and Nathan was involved, and that was, uh, that was good. And then... Um, Decided I really wanted to do my own thing and uh, went off to uh, start an ad agency that uh, specializes in dietary supplement um, marketing and advertising called Diesel Advertising. So I've been doing that now. It's um, about two and a half years. And uh, during this course, I decided that uh, I really wanted to um, give the uh, editorial a go again. So started uh, Muscle Insider. And uh, Nathan joined me, and uh, Martin Pilmager, and Dominic Morrow. And um, now, before we get too much in, into the, because sure. I want I want to definitely talk about the new magazine for a few minutes. But um, just to bring us up to speed now on Nathan, let's let hear from him a little bit on his history and, and weight training and all that in the <clears> industry. Forth, and then when he brings us up to speed, then both you guys can kind of chime in, and we can talk a little bit about the new magazine. Perfect. Sorry okay, about that. Sure. Sounds good. No, no that's problem. cool. That's cool. 
Okay, so I am uh, I am the editor in chief of uh, Muscle Insider. I'm a, a competitive uh, natural bodybuilder. Uh, I've written a few books uh, on uh, diet and training. Uh, I've had a few articles uh, published in various bodybuilding magazines. Uh, before coming on board, I worked in the sports industry uh, as uh, like Scott uh, for around ten years. Uh, during that time, I was also uh, editor-in-chief of Muscle News. Uh, the funny thing is Scott kind of touched upon it, but uh, he started the magazine, and then when he moved on, I took over. Um, and it was, a, it was a good magazine. It was very informative and uh, had some interesting pieces, and uh, some of those pieces were written by uh, Iron Radio's very own Robert Fortney. <laughs> right. Okay, so... Um... Now, tell us a little bit about this new magazine, Muscle Insider, because it, it, you just have your premiere issue out now, and you're preparing the second issue. Um, I've just actually, thankful, thanks, guys, I actually just received the first issue, and I'm very impressed. It's a great magazine. Uh, looks great, reads great, and there's some, you've got some great columnists and stuff in there. Um, so t- tell us a little bit about how that how that get off the ground, and, and you know, uh, even, Scott, why, why you chose to kind of get back into the print game um, after what happened before. I mean, t- tell us a little bit about the whole thing. You know, I have always uh, been a lover of the magazine Muscle Media, and uh, it really uh, is what inspired me to pursue the science of dietary supplements, the science of training, the science of eating, and um, people like Bill Phillips uh, really changed my life, and uh, I thought that as I saw the sort of industry change and I saw Muscle Media change, there was an offshoot magazine that you were involved uh, with Lonnie Lowry with um, Peak Training Journal and Steve yeah. Colescott, and uh, I was really inspired by that magazine. I just could not stop reading it, and I remember being asked the question of what would you pay for a magazine like this and said, you know what, this has got such great content and it's got very few ads, there's no advertorials, and this is such a great magazine. I would pay I'd pay twenty dollars an issue for something like this easily. And all the friends that I talked to said they would as well. So I always sat back and said, you know, if um if the right magazine came out with the right writers and it um totally gave back to the bodybuilding community by educating and arming these people with the information they would need to get great results, independent on if they were on steroids. If they were on steroids and they heard this information they'd get even better results. If they were thinking of coming off, they could come off and do so safely and um, and you know not lose all their muscle. But if they were thinking that they would want to be natural, like um, what Nathan has decided to do with his life, uh, I think this would be a great place to go to learn how to actually train. And I, I felt that that was lost in today's bodybuilding magazines. I think Flex Magazine and Muscular Development do a phenomenal job. Photography is just awesome, but um, they're still operating with um, 50% of the magazine is in ads and 50% is in editorial. So in a 400-page phone book like Muscular Development, you have about 200 pages of ads. And I just felt that uh, consumers would pay a little bit more money for a magazine if it was devoid of censorship and if it was devoid of all of the different ads. And it really tried to reward the consumer with a good experience. But... um, you know that's uh, that's sort of why we're doing it, and we're really going after a lot of subscriptions. And if you go subscription route, you can obviously print a magazine and ship directly to somebody's doorstep, and that sh- uh, saves a lot of money for you. Um, and it also is a lot more profitable to do that, so that you can put the money back into the quality of the writing and the quality of the photography. And, right. right. Um, it's sort of a different model, and uh, we are not ignorant to the internet. We're very big proponents of social media. That's why you know um, we're on this show right now. We um, really like to embrace the technology, 
and uh, we realize that bodybuilders are going to many different places, but we also realize that MMA enthusiasts and powerlifters are going to different places, and they're searching for information as well. And uh, we kind of think that Muscle Insider, the connections that we've had the privilege over the last 10-plus years to meet these different experts, we could put these people into one place we could reward the consumer with a great uh, amount of knowledge, and we think that they would tell other people like them that are hungry for information. Because it seems like you can only go on the internet to get uncensored information, but it, um, you know, today's magazines are just uh, lacking that sort of edge and that, um, uh, you know, being free of censorship. I mean, have, but, Rob, have you ever noticed that you never see any of the top supplements ever get a negative report in any of these magazines? You never see a lab test that shows that something doesn't meet label claim ever. Wait. But yet, if you go on the internet, you can see this stuff all the time. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are are you saying that the magazine? Um, it's not only through subscription, is it? Or no, no, no. This is going on newsstand right now. Actually, Martin Pilmiger, that's exactly what he's working on right now. Is newsstand distribution deal for the U.S. and for Canada. But okay. um, we have a distribution deal that will put. It is putting this right now in 41 countries around the world. So. Um, outside of North America, that uh, you know will hit to some newsstands depending on the distributors in each specific country and how they handle their countries. But uh, within the U.S. and Canada, this will be a newsstand. We're estimating it'll probably get us a newsstand by June. That's when our second issue comes out. So the first issue we printed off 100,000 copies, and we've been giving them out through subscriptions, through online database capturing, as well as through different trade shows that are coming up, like the Europa. We were at the Arnold Classic where we gave out 37,000 copies. Copies, different websites, great websites like supplementsource.ca, bodybuilding.com, uh, distributor Europa. They're giving these out to their uh, different reps that are giving them to the gyms and to the public. And um, it's great. You know, it's uh, really amazing when you reach out to the community with a good product that uh, you'd be surprised at how much uh, embracement you get with the, with the trade and with other people that are involved. Right. Do you have a website yet? Yes, we have it um, muscleinsider.com, but there's unfortunately you have to do a hyphen in the middle of the word muscle and insider okay. because uh, another fellow owned the muscleinsider.com. But that's uh, that's what we have. And uh, listeners can uh, go there and find all the information, relevant print subscriptions, and so forth. Yeah, we're you know we right now are doing name capturing, and with that, um, in next week we're actually mailing out to. Anybody who's put in uh, put in their uh, date, their information, we're giving them a free copy sent right to their door, with no shipping charge, nothing, and that's uh, anywhere within the U.S. and Canada. And uh, from there, we're actually going to uh, have a uh, really good website launched, which um, we're hoping will happen, you know, within the next uh, three or four weeks. So um, that'll be a lot more of a community-based social media platform, and uh, we'll give you information you can't get in the magazine. But at the same time, um, it'll still be a great place to hang out and share information. So that's what we're doing. We'll make sure we definitely uh, link up our uh, the Iron Radio site with uh, your site, and then that way it'll uh, be easier for people to get, get to, the, to one or the other. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was actually thinking earlier about how you are saying you're, you're uh, willing to offer a one-year subscription, and I was trying to think of, of, of a question that we could have for people um, <laughs> who could um, – if you don't mind, I can ask a question. Absolutely. I just thought I was trying to think of one. Uh, so that offer is still on the table? Absolutely. Of course. Okay. Well, in that case, what uh, Mr. Olympia winner um, very unsuccessfully tried to reclaim his title for years and years, stating that the lion will roar again, and, <laughs> and he never did? 
<laughs> anyway, um, there's probably going to be a lot. I just thought that off the top of my head. So um, there's probably going to be a lot of people who probably know that. Uh, so what I'll do is the first one that sends the correct answer into, uh, again, that number, 206-203-3798. Um, I will pass the uh, the relevant information on to you guys, and then you guys can set them up with uh, the subscription. How's that? That would be great. Sounds great. Okay, so again, the question was, what Mr. Olympia winner um, tried very unsuccessfully to reclaim his title for many years, stating that the lion will roar again, and uh, <laughs> he never has. So uh, 206-203-3798. And for people who are calling in who haven't entered the 50th episode trivia competition for Iron Radio, um, you might as well give that one a shot, too, and maybe you can get some free prizes for that because we want, we want to choose two people for that one as well. So, um Anyway, yeah. So now, um, I guess we should segue into the uh, topic of the day. Okay, guys? Sure. We're supposed to have a song here playing in a second. Wow, that's working well, isn't it? Well, while we're waiting, I'm going to give the uh, <laughs> listeners a little tip, a little a little hint on uh, who it was of that uh, former Olympian. Was he not the same guy, Rob, that... Um, you know what? This music was going to play any second. I was going to go... To go around top of you. See, not the Olympian that uh, did 405 pound bent over rope? Yeah, I think that was a whole lot of good rope. How is that smooth professionalism for you? Oh, I love it. I love it. Get some yeah, uh, hardcore know, it, music going on here. I'm going to have to download that or get it off you so I can listen to oh, it. No, man, I was just playing that live while we were listening. I was just waiting the, for uh, it in Miami warm-up. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I'm usually not the guy who's running this stuff. Uh, Phil is usually our tech guy. So, again, to listeners, I apologize for the uh, <laughs> lack of professionalism there, but I'm doing my best, people. Um, so, sorry, what were you saying before, before the music came in about uh, Bent Rose? Um, I was just going to say that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the um, the mystery person that uh, our uh, audience is supposed to guess, isn't he the same Olympian that was uh, famous for doing a 405-pound Bent Over Rose while Lee Haney watched On and Off? You know what? I don't even know that. But yeah, that sounds... <laughs> that sounds uh, feasible because I do know that he was actually no, known for having a lot of back strength and uh, f- apparently he, here's another story I heard about this particular gentleman we're talking about that he walked in um, when some other famous bodybuilders of the day were doing some deadlifts at the Venice Golds and uh, he just walked over totally cold and he pulled I think 585 off the floor when they were doing some deadlifts so <laughs> so I, and I think we're talking about this probably the same person because again he was known pretty much for having a very strong back so yeah, if you're he's also to... known as a encyclopedia of sodium content within food, and then said that uh, any competitive bodybuilder has to know every milligram of every bit of sodium in any food they eat. That's right, and there was there's there's also the legend that before the Olympia that he did win, he used to walk around with a with a with a very mysterious looking briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're gonna give it away. I think we're gonna. I was gonna say we could go on and on about this stuff, but <laughs> anybody who's gonna know who this is probably would know by now. So. Go for it, people. Anyway, um, this is kind of this show is kind of a um, last minute because uh, in regards to the fact that our other co-host, my my other co-host, hosts, uh, you know, couldn't be on today. So I was thinking because we have you two gentlemen on the show today, 
Um, it might be just interesting just to chat a little bit about how bodybuilding is going right now competitively in the pro ranks and so forth because uh, certainly you guys are probably much more up on who's winning what right now than I am at the moment. So I just thought it'd be fun because we haven't really talked about this uh, for quite some time. We've been so you know, powerlifting and nutrition obsessed that we haven't really gotten to this. And I think that might be a little bit of fun. So I don't know. Let's start with uh, what do you guys think? What What's... Uh, Who's ramping up to be the top guys at the Olympia this year? Well, I mean, you've got uh, you've got Cutler defending it. Um, last year, he came back and just uh, stole the show. Um, he had lost it. Was it the year before the Dexter? And um, uh, while I, I I agree with the Dexter winning, and uh, Jay was a little bit off. I mean, it only motivated him to come back even stronger and even better. I mean, he, like I said, he blew away the. Uh, he blew away everybody at the at the show, but at the same time you got Kai Green kind of uh, biting at his heels, coming up on him, and uh, uh, Kai might have looked a little bit of so- a little soft at the at the Arnold, but uh, it was enough to win. And uh, um, now he's coming for the Olympia title, so I think it's uh, competitive bodybuilding, at least in the pro ranks, is, is, is a very interesting time right now. Yeah, so so Jay is going to be defending his title then again. I believe so. I uh, I can't see why he wouldn't, unless he's got. Uh, I heard, I heard he's got a. Uh, he might be getting a, mo- a movie career pretty soon, so uh, oh. that might uh, take him away. So I guess only time will tell, and we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um. But what, what's the story with Ronnie Coleman these days? What's uh, what's he, what's he up to? I've I've heard rumors of come of of a comeback. Uh, I'm not too sure. Like I I haven't heard it directly from him, so. Uh, it'd be great to see him on stage again. Um, he's always a, a, quite the presence, uh, or lends quite the presence to the to Olympia, and he's uh, uh, he's got a fantastic physique. I'm not too sure uh, if he's uh, still got his injuries or if he's overcome them. So uh, I think it's just a, a lot to see on that one. Yeah, uh, you're kind of getting a little bit muted there. I don't know if your the phone's oh, not right there. <laughs> oh well, that's miles better. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, Ronnie Coleman obviously is one of my favorites of all time. Um, good guy too. I've spoken with him many times. Um, but do you think perhaps it would be the? I mean, you know what they always say about comebacks, right? They're always, in theory, they're always very romantic, but in 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 reality, they're usually, you know, much less than successful. Um, do you think a guy like that can come back and be re- even reasonably successful? Because I mean. We do know that he has, you know, suffered some injuries and so forth. Um, what do you guys think about that? That's a great question, Rob. This is uh, Scott talking. Um, you know, I think that uh, Coleman, obviously, uh, he peaked. He was uh, just he took mass to a whole new level. Had great shape and, and density, and he um, was able to get really, really dry. But um, I think with the injuries that he had sustained, I think that um, the reason why he would come back is because he's just, a, you know, a, a people's champion. He uh, loves to compete, loves to have a reason to get back in shape. And, uh, you know, the photos I've seen on, I believe, is getbig.com showing that he indeed is gaining mass at a tremendous rate. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's really good for him. But I think that um, the bodybuilders really have to look at endorsement contracts and say, hey, if I'm um, not competing, am I going to still have my BSN contract? And, you know, I know BSN's a tremendous company. They're very supportive. And, um, I mean, they they stuck by Trey Brewer the whole time, even though he had some disappointment within his career. But um, 
Ronnie's still been a BSN athlete despite not competing, but I think that um, if he does do the show, from what I'm told, it would be some of the um, the European shows. Um, I'm not so sure that he would do the Olympia, but I really don't think that um, with the game the way it's at now and with uh, the people like the Kai Greens of the world, Branch Warren, Phil Heath, um, you know, let's not uh, discount Victor Martinez. If um, if we see him on the stage in September, I think that um, someone like Ronnie, if he doesn't come in at the condition he used to be able to come in, it's hard to say if he'll ever be able to uh, make a comeback to be able to match that condition. I mean, the only yeah. person I've seen. I remember seeing uh-huh. actually Ronnie win his first Mr. Olympia in '98 in uh, at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Mm, I was at that um, show too. Yeah. yeah, and I and I. I'm of the opinion that, I mean, of course, this is all very subjective, but my opinion is that he never looked better than he did actually that first year. So, I mean, there was a few years, obviously, where he put more size on and so forth. But um, I don't know. It, it's the same argument, or not even argument, but discussion can be made about a, gay, a guy like Jay Cutler. I mean, he is now the reigning champion, but, uh, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, he wasted his best years as a competitor chasing Ronnie. Um, now, obviously, the condition he showed in was good enough to win, and he looked phenomenal, but... Um, bodybuilding is very, I mean, having experience on both sides, you know, as a competitive bodybuilder and a competitive powerlifter, certainly um, powerlifters are, have more advantage in, in longevity of their career because, you know, they don't have to worry about things like, you know, like, um, um, you know, skin quality and things like that. And, I mean, there certain, certainly does seem to be a shelf life for a bodybuilder and, you know, how long they can go at it. Because, again, I mean, even if you can get massive and so forth, there seems to be a quality whether it be in the skin or whatever, that, that does seem to kind of diminish over time. And Ronnie Coleman is, I mean, how old is Ronnie Coleman? Like 40, 45 or something? Yeah, that is yeah. 43 or 44. I'd say mid-40s. Yeah, I mean, and he's been training for a long time. I mean, this is this is a guy that, you know, when he actually won the Mr. Olympia, people don't realize. I mean, at that point, at that point he had been training for 25 or 30 years. Um, you know, he's, he's one of these kind of like gym lions, you know, that uh, – that's kind of one of the reasons why I've always liked him, right? Because, I mean, you guys know me well enough to know that, you know, I, I've always been the, like the kind of guys, you know, like a Tom Platt or, or, you know, guys who kind of the, the experience of their experience as a bodybuilder was, you know, rooted in the gym, you know, and the, and the stage was kind of more like just a, you know, a, a top of the Sunday. You know what I mean? Uh, uh-huh. And, and Ron, Ronnie always struck me as being that kind of guy, you know. I mean, he just loves training, you know. He loves going in the gym. He loves lifting heavy weights. So he, you know, he kind of personified that old, that old kind of style of bodybuilding, right? Where, where there was, you know, a, a real love for the, you know, the the process of of getting to the stage. Where, you know, I think I think there was a there was a danger in in the well, certainly in the '90s, and that where some of these guys, and I won't use specific names, but you know, they made comments in the media and so forth that kind of I think turned off guys like me, you know, because they would make comments like. You know, I hate training when I'm not when I'm when I'm done competing. You know, I'll never set foot in the gym again, and this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you guys think about that? I mean, what, what do you think about you know where body William was in the '90s and where you know has been the last ten years? I mean, what what changes or how how would you contrast those two decades as far as the um, you know the upper echelon of the sport? Um, obviously, there's uh, different training uh, methodologies that have come come into play. Um, there are also sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, different training methodologies come into play. Uh, there are different uh, diets that are, that are being utilized now. Um, 
I don't know if I would say that it's changed all that much over the last 10 years. Uh, maybe the what people what the judges are looking for has changed. Uh, back in the 90s, the guys were were massive. It was the uh, the decade of the mass monsters. Now we're starting to see um, the judges looking for a little bit more um, shape and symmetry and conditioning uh, as opposed to mass. So. Um, but I, I think it, bodybuilding goes through cycles, and um, maybe in the next decade it'll be the mass launches again. I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. Would you agree with it with the assessment that? And, I, and I've heard a lot of not just myself saying this, but a lot of people. And I mean, you always have to, you always run the risk of being one of these, you know, as you get older, having nostalgia for a certain time period. And certainly, I mean, I have a ton of nostalgia for the, you know, the '80s scene with guys like Asperi and you know Haney and you know Stridham and all those kind of guys. Um, but but certainly the early mid um, 90s, there was a crop of guys that were competing at the pro level that um, seemed to really have taken it to a, to a, a higher level, both just both from conditioning and just almost from God-given genetics. And and I, I'm kind of wondering if um, that was a product of just the time and the the gene pool that was available and interested in the sport at the time, or whether you know that that'll be seen again. Because I mean, you know, when you're talking about guys like you know, um, Chris Cormier or Flex Wheeler or these types of people. I mean, there was some major talent. I mean, Kevin Lavroni. Um, you know, some of those physiques were just outrageous. Um, wh- wh- what do you think about that? Do, do you think um, subjectively? What, what, you, what is your opinion of the of that whole era? Um, back in that era, I think it was really exciting. But I think also, if you look at your age, my age, I mean, Nathan's a little bit younger, but um, you know, these are the heroes that sort of we grew up to. You know the, uh, you know the the Gary Stridums, obviously um, some of these other guys. I mean, uh, obviously Mike Quinn and Jim Quinn and um, Mike Ashley and uh, Lee Haney, of course. How can you say anything without him in that era? And these were our heroes at that time. But I mean, if we look at somebody like um, you know Phil Heath or a Dexter Jackson or a Tony Freeman, I mean, there's a guy. Um, well, these guys now, I think, are heroes to somebody else that may be just kind of getting bit by the bug. Uh, Jay Cutler has a huge fo- fan following, and um, just being at the LA Fit Expo uh, this past January and seeing him interact with the fans and seeing everybody really, you know, enjoying him and, and, and you know, celebrating his victory that he had, it's really, um, I think that these people are the same. It's just uh, maybe they're heroes to people that are, you know, from the getting into it now versus uh, where we're sort of at now. I think it takes a lot to impress uh, someone like the Fortress, um, <laughs> and obviously it uh, takes somebody, you know, because you guys have been around the scene for a long time. I mean, you know, you um, you wrote that article back in Muscle Mag back in the day of your trip to Venice Beach, and um, you know right. you were spoiled on having that type of luxury. And now I think it's going to take uh, maybe somebody who not only, as Lonnie said in the um, last week's episode, uh, you know, not somebody who's all, not just all show and no go. You want to have a, a functional bodybuilder who not only is big but can also hoist some big weights. And I think Cormier kind of exemplified that. But I'm uh, I'm certain that um, some of these other guys, like Ronnie, uh, you know, can hoist some tremendous poundages, as he showed with, uh, you know, his lightweight baby, you know, video that he had. <laughs> Nothing but there. a peanut. Yeah, exactly. So I think these uh, these other guys are, are are just as exciting, but maybe just not to us because we've kind of been uh, tainted a little bit in being in the industry for a lot longer. That's my right, point. and then that's why I present the whole idea about I mean, again, you know, you, you, nostalgia and this type of thing because. I'm I'm fully cognizant of the fact that you know what you say is absolutely true. I mean, 
you know, I mean, when you get to the experience that we have, you know, in the industry, it, like you say, I mean, and this is this is certainly not said, but from any vantage point of arrogance at all, um, just because you just get, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You get desensitized, you know, to uh, you know to to the extreme size you see and stuff like that. I mean, when you've hung around guys and trained with guys like you, like Ronnie Cole and Dorian Yates, these guys, which I have, you know, it's it's you know it it. it it, it does become a, a point where it takes a lot to impress you, right? Um, and I've kind of had the same kind of experience now in powerlifting, where you know I've I've befriended guys like Ed Cohn and Brad Gillingham and these type of people, and um, you know, like people come up to me in the gym all the time, right? And they're like, "Oh, you're so strong, you're so strong." I'm saying, you know, it's all relative. I said, you know, I I know guys that you know make me look like a 12 year old girl, so um, you know, it, but you always do have to that in mind you know that um you know what's your experience in sport who do you know and how long have you been around because you know n- nobody's going to kind of replicate that feeling you, you know that the heroes that you had when you are 16 17 18 without question um See, but you know to, to say one thing about the uh the bodybuilders during the mid mid 90s it was it was it was, it was exciting back then to watch a show because it could have been anyone's show uh you guys you had guys like paul dill you had sean ray up there uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> that was Scott. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Lightweight baby. <laughs> I'm just here with Ronnie Coleman. We just have him down here at the Muscle Insider studio. Sure, sure. He's working out. Oh, wait a second. He's just getting some lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, put that thing down, Ronnie. Put that thing down. <laughs> Very nice. Anyway, you were saying. Uh, I totally lost track of what I was saying there. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think, yeah, what I was saying was that uh, during the 90s, it, it could have been anyone's show. You had guys like Sean Ray, Kevin Laroni, Chris Cormier, um, Paul Dillett up there in, in – you never knew who was going to win, right? And then over the last few years, it's uh, it's pretty much been dominated by one or two, one or two or three guys that you kind of guarantee if this guy's in the show, he's going to win. Uh, but now we're starting to see with uh, with with uh, at least in the last couple of years that you know, you know, like Jay, just because Jay Cutler goes into the show doesn't mean he's going to win. We saw that, so um, I, I think it's starting to get competitive again. I think it's starting to get um, interesting again. Yeah. I think one of the best things that's ever happened was having Dexter Jackson win that uh, Olympia. I mean, that all of a sudden made me want to go and see, watch the Olympia. And it showed consumers that, uh, you know what, this isn't fixed, you know. And a lot of people really came down hard on the IFBB, and it's it, wrongly so. These judges have a tough job to do, and they're trained in this, you know. And it's always amazes me when you talk to the armchair um bodybuilding judge who's at every local gym and they say that you know what i would have placed this guy here and i would have placed that guy there and it's like these guys like um steve um and all these uh, weinberger and all the top guys like jim Mannion, these are experts experts and if they say these are the best physiques out there then as far as i'm concerned they're qualified to make that call and um i think when dexter won i think it was a tremendous uh tremendous upset but at the same time i think it was uh very deserving and uh it made the game change made it exciting jay came back even better and i don't think in his whole life he ever came in the condition like that i think maybe the only other time was the 2001 arnold classic but um at the same time i think uh you know, it definitely changed the game and made it exciting. 
Absolutely. Um, do Do you think that like do you think that bodybuilding? I mean, obviously, like you were talking earlier about MMA and stuff like that. That seems to be kind of the more um, the popular kind of um, you know physical pursuit these days for young guys and stuff. Um, do you think that's kind of usurped um, what that bodybuilding as being the new kind of hip thing? And do you think that bodybuilding um, can ever get back to that point, or do, like, where do you think bodybuilding is going? Is it is it on an upswing? Is it kind of just remaining a status quo kind of thing? Is it is it going down? I'm, when you're talking about this, just the general you know populace and young guys and kind of what they want to do. I think a lot of the uh, the guys that are getting into uh, weightlifting are probably looking at these guys in the UFC like George St. Pierre and looking at his physique and saying, hey, I like that physique. That's the kind of physique that I want. Now, uh, whether or not they want to be able to kick somebody's ass in the ring, is, is uh, I couldn't tell you. But uh, uh, I think that there might be a new norm coming out where people are like, you know what, I want to be a little bit smaller. I want to, I want to be that conditioned. Um, but uh, as time goes by, most people, I would think that some of these guys will graduate into uh, getting into bodybuilding. You know, I want to be a little bit bigger. I don't want to be, uh, I want to be 20 pounds. I want to hold 20 pounds more, uh, 20 pounds of muscle, uh, more on my frame. Um, so I, I think it's uh, the the fact that the people, the MMA is starting to um, start to, to grow in popularity is only a good thing for bodybuilding because it'll lead to more people getting into bodybuilding. Well, my whole opinion is, and I've got some obviously fight experience and martial arts in my background, but my, my whole thing is, I think for a good decade or so, size and strength in that whole realm was downplayed um, because of the advent of you know Royce Gracie and the whole idea of that. But I think to the point that it was down, you know, um, now I think it's starting to become, um, you know, a physical attribute that these guys are because you know they're looking around for whatever edge they can get, right? And I think they're like, hey, well, what else can we do, right? And well. Hey, we haven't really concentrated, you know, on the size and the strength component. I think you're seeing that too, because the guys that were the heavyweights, you know, um, you know, I mean, it was considered, you know, you were a heavyweight at two fifteen, two twenty, two twenty five, um, and now, you know, with with the whole Brock Lesnar thing and stuff, you're seeing guys who are, you know, getting bigger and bigger. I think that's the new kind of um, evolution in MMA now is kind of re kind of um, introducing these guys to the concept of getting bigger and stronger because it has been proven that. You know that that is, um, you know, a positive, you know, card in the deck um, that you could be holding, um, and I think you're just going to see guys, you know, striving for that, you know, to get bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it's funny that uh, this is Scott talking again. You know how it, it's what it's really funny about things is uh, when we saw the MMA sort of start to creep into um, the supplement industry, and in, insofar as you know, the supplement company started to sponsor more of these MMA athletes, and you saw Zion step up to the table and really partner up with UFC, and you had Biotest do some work with George St. Pierre at the time and Biotech and some of these different guys. One of the things um, I think that uh, that did really well for the industry was obviously now you had um, MMA enthusiasts that might start to use supplements, and then within the supplement industry, a lot of the um, – GNC and some a lot of these different players and said, hey, this would be great for the sport because it will invigorate it with new people. And I think the MMA fighter said, hey, you know what, maybe I should start to put on some muscle to be able to fight better, or maybe I should take up uh, a little bit of weight training and add that to my repertoire. But I think that had they taken a different slant and said, yeah, I want to be able to hit harder throw down faster and if instead instead of going to the bodybuilding arena to find that if they had went the other way and went to the powerlifting arena i think you would have had a lot faster acceptance within an mma 
of using weight training to enhance performance. Because there's still that notion of the old school, oh, my God, if I get big, I'm going to get slow. And that's yeah. how they uh, trailed in boxing for years, and I had martial arts background as well. And, you know, at the karate dojos or taekwondo dojos that I was at, um, you know, all these people would have uh, two-pound weights and just do jabs with it and think somehow that that's going to make them, uh, you know, hit faster. But uh, I think that if they would went to people like um, Louis Simmons and, uh, you know, Charles Stanley and uh, obviously some of these different uh, strength coaches that are in the industry, um, I think that um, the MMA community would have benefited a lot more from the power and strength sort of disciplines that you see. And when we were at Westside Barbell just after the Arnold Classic this year, we had to do a photo shoot down there. And... Um, we pointed out that, uh, you know, one of our um, contributors is A.J. Roberts, and uh, as Nathan was talking earlier before the show, you know, he squatted over a 1,000 pounds when we were there, his nose bled, but, you know, there was uh, guys that were MMA fighters that were in the in the gym training, and these guys are tremendous, tremendous lifters, but they're going to the powerlifting community to enhance MMA, not necessarily right. picking up a issue of muscular development to be able to figure out how to fight better or strike harder. And, well, that's uh, a, that's the whole thing that I I mean from from my vantage point because again I've always been kind of even when I was a, when a bodybuilder I've always considered myself more of a power bodybuilder I've always liked the the idea of you know aesthetically just rep- representing what your what your body is capable that to me is you know the kind of the ideal of what bodybuilding should be uh, you know going to Lonnie's whole you know um, no show all you know or all show no go kind of thing right like I I don't like that kind of um, kind of mentality, but it, it seems to me that a lot of these sports, like I mean, the, as far as sports specificity, like in the strength sports, time, you know, s- strongman and powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting, and then you know uh, the sister brother sports like bodybuilding and so forth. It, it seems like the people who kind of get ahead in these things kind of you know um, incorporate everything into their. I mean, if you look at guys like um, Louis Simmons, you know, he, I mean, he's the first one to say that he used uh, you know a lot of his his. Um, theories were kind of like pulled from weightlifting, um, you know, coaching and so forth. And if you look at a guy like a strongman guy like that Pujanovsky or something, I mean, he's now doing some MMA stuff um, and doing quite well out of the gate. Um, probably most mostly just because of his size and strength. And, and like you say, in MMA, they're starting to kind of, you know, relook at the whole concept of size and strength. And I, and I think that bodybuilding itself can, you know, obviously uh, there's always articles and, and discussions in bodybuilding circles about the, you know, the, the need for power training and, uh, and that kind of like bare bones compound movement kind of stuff. So, you know, I think it's one of those, I think that the time for all these sports kind of being so specific that nobody wants to kind of like, you know, um, branch over into another person's world. I think that's kind of over now. I think people are realizing that, you don't want to only just want to be strong. You want to be athletic, and you don't want to just just be athletic. You also want to be strong, and you 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 know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about that? Do you think that? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know I keep saying that, but I mean, do you do you think that 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 era of things being so like you know, well, I'm a powerlifter. I don't want to you know even think about weightlifting. I'm I'm an MMA fighter. I you know I have nothing to do with. I mean, though I think those days are over because people are starting to realize that. You know, everything has its place, and I mean, every everybody in every sport can kind of benefit from the other person's, edu- you know, uh, knowledge and how they train and all this type of thing. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Louis Simmons' Westside Barbell, and I know you've been there, I mean, the amount of equipment that they had, I mean, they had treadmills that had tension uh, straps on them to actually make it hard to even walk straight ahead. It was incredible. They had all these different devices, and I've been in the gym for about 20 years, and 
I'm not joking. I only recognized about half of the pieces of equipment. Right. He had weighted bowling pins. He had things that I just couldn't imagine you would use. I had no idea what they were for, and he showed me, and I was just I was just astonished. But the one thing that was common was the um, not just saying it's a squat bench deadlift gym. You know, it was using all these other pieces of equipment, borrowing from wherever they have to borrow from, whatever discipline, in order to enhance performance. And um, when you uh, when you look at the way in which things are happening, I mean, uh, they're changing, as you saw with um, you know Derek Poundstone last uh, last episode. He was talking about how he does do cardio, and uh, he uses elliptical, and he uses a um, a type of stair mill where he doesn't have to you know have any impact on his joints on his knees and his ankles with that much weight behind him it's it's tremendous that he can do that but uh you know it makes sense that he would switch his cardio to minimize impact but the fact that he's doing cardio if you look back to the bill kasmeyer days i don't think you'd see these guys doing much cardio i don't think they'd do much of it at all or chris confessor or uh, ted rcd or ken lane or any of these different power lifters from the 80s I don't think that uh, any of these guys were. I mean, back in the day, um, uh, Rob, you know, you and I were training over at Pitbull Gym in Scarborough. I don't think Big Lou Ceramus was ever doing any cardio at that time. But I think that that is changing, and I think that um, cross. But you know, an interesting comment you're saying is like you're saying about Bill Kazmaier, who, in, in my estimation, is probably arguably the strongest guy that's you know of the last hundred years or ever, maybe overall. I mean, Greg Kovacs was. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But anyway, um, <laughs> no. But I mean, when you think about that, I mean, you're making mention of him. But you know, the, the interesting thing about what you're saying is, Kazmaier was actually known for being quite athletic. He used to run stairs a lot at like universities and stuff, and do a lot of weight, like weighted stair running and stuff like that. And 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 I'm only bringing this up because it's interesting that. You know, I, I, it's clearly, whether you agree with my statement that I made before about his kind of status or not, I mean, no one would deny the fact that he is, certainly was one of the best ever. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and, you know, and I mean, this is a guy that kind of branched out into, you know, strongman competition. I mean, he was one of the originals of that sport, right? And he did some professional wrestling. So, I mean, I don't think it's it's a fluke that he was so good at what he did. And he was, I think, more athletic than a lot of his peers at the time in powerlifting. So... Yeah, that makes sense. I, I actually didn't know that about him, but um, that, that totally makes sense. Now, listen, we're kind of running out of time. So what I want to do here is I want to um, – okay, favorite favorite bodybuilders ever, Nathan. Uh, Jay Cutler, Dorian Yates, uh, Arnold, Franco. Those are my top four. Well, I think it uh, has to be obviously Arnold Cla- Arnold Schwarzenegger, sorry. And uh, I always liked uh, Gary Stridham. His physique I thought was awesome. And uh, the uh, mighty Mike Quinn, I have to say that uh, <laughs> that was a uh, real inspiration for me. But, um, you know, of today, obviously Phil Heath's got a tremendous physique. Kai Green has a tremendous physique. So um, I think that pretty much... Uh, uh, rounds it all off for me. I mean, obviously, Dorian Yates and his work ethic, I think, is just awesome, and uh, the condition he used to bring, but um, that would probably be about it. Obviously, and Rob Fortress Fortney. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. My bodybuilding, <laughs> my bodybuilding career was so, so wonderful. Um, well, I, I guess I have to throw mine in, too. I would say Sean Ray, um, Gary Stratum as well. Um, I think Lee Haney, Yates, Kevin Lavroni's upper body. Um, yeah, there's so many great guys out there. But um, 
Anyway, so for people that um, are listening, again, please call in 206-203-3798, both for the uh, 50th episode trivia competition. And again, those questions, um, you can listen to either back on the show or go on to our um, website to find those. Um, and also for a one-year subscription to this new magazine that these two gentlemen that we've had on today, Muscle Insider, uh, free one-year subscription, people. So, again, the question, what Mr. Olympia, past Mr. Olympia winner um, very uh, unsuccessfully tried for many years to kind of regain the title and never did, and uh, but used to boast that uh, the lion will roar again. So call that number. The first person that calls in for the, the correct answer for that one will get uh, um, a free one-year subscription to the new magazine, and uh, next week hopefully we'll have the correct answers for <laughs> those four trivial questions, but um, I want to thank you two guys for coming on the show. I know it was kind of a last-minute thing, but uh, it was really enjoyable having you on here. Hey, thank you, Rob. We really appreciate you having us on. Yeah, and uh, for people out there, do make sure that you check out this new magazine, Muscle Insider. It's uh, And you were saying the website's Muscle with a hyphen, Insider? Yes, muscle-insider.com. Okay. Uh, site to go to, and if they if they send their stuff in, we're going to be uh, we're just filling out the application. We're going to be giving out uh, free issues, sending them out next week. So, um, and we'll also be at uh, various trade shows throughout the U.S. and Canada. Uh, the Olympia is the one, the big one we're looking to do, as well as the Europas. So, um, we definitely like to uh, reach out there to the, the hardcore target market. And uh, yeah, we think uh, we have a tremendous product. Uh, as I said earlier, it's uh, you know 75%. Actually, I didn't say this. What am I saying? 75% editorial. We only have 25% ads. So most of the magazines out there are about 50%. But uh, we're offering a different product. Not to say a better product, just a different product. But uh, we really want to help promote bodybuilding. We think it's a great way of getting in shape. We want to promote powerlifting. We have about 10% coverage of powerlifting in there with uh, people like A.J. Roberts. And obviously, we are uh, really excited to have you aboard. And the uh, Louis Simmons article you're doing for uh, the next issue is going to be great. And uh, we're really excited to be a part of this. Um, We think that uh, there's some tremendous things to do. And I really, uh, really am glad that you reached out to us. And uh, anything we can do to help promote uh, Iron Radio, we definitely will do. And uh, thank you very, very much uh, for the opportunity, Rob. Oh, no problem. Like I like to our listeners, these are two of the good guys in the sport, man. So support them and check out the issue. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on. And I get, guess that's it for uh, this week, people. So uh, until next Friday, this is IronRadio.org. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on IronRadio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need. Quick note to listeners. Because we were able to get two interesting guests at the last minute, the Thailand travel log from Dr. Lowry will air at a later date. Thanks.